0: Hi everyone, my name's Ella and I want to welcome you to The Crime Chick, my true crime podcast discussing the most horrific of crimes. Before I start today's episode, I want to trigger warn it as it is based on severe child abuse and neglect. So if these topics will trigger you, please click off and wait for another episode. Or just make sure you are listening in a safe space with a person you trust. Your mental health is far more important than listening to my podcast. So today we will be discussing the completely horrendous murder of Gabriel Fernandez. So grab a glass of wine and make yourself comfy. It's going to get sinister. This case starts in Palmdale, California, where eight-year-old Gabriel Fernandez, who was born in 2005, lived with his two older siblings, his biological mother, Pearl Fernandez, and her boyfriend, Isaro Aguirre, whom Pearl met in 2010. Based on various interviews, Gabriel is described as a sweet, caring, and helpful child who, despite his life of abuse, which we will discuss very shortly, loved his mother dearly. Now, in order for you to fully understand this case, I need to take you back to 2003. This was before Gabriel was born. Around this time, Pearl was investigated for the first time by county social workers for an allegation of severe neglect involving Gabriel's older brother. Then a year later in 2004, another complaint was filed with CPS claiming that Pearl was beating the same son. However, nothing came from either of these allegations as social workers stated that the claims were unfounded And Pearl was allowed to retain custody of both of the children. Now, it is already just completely ridiculous to me that she had not one, but two allegations of neglect against her. Yet CPS has done nothing. And as we carry on with this case, we will discover this lack of action is a reoccurring issue with the American Child Protective Services it really is shocking now moving on to when gabriel was born in 2005 just a few days after his birth he went to live with his uncle michael coranza and his partner david martinez now you're probably wondering why was gabriel living with them well when pearl fell pregnant with gabriel she did not want to keep him however michael and david convinced pearl to carry on with the pregnancy and when gabriel was born they would raise him as their own David then revealed later in an interview that once Gabriel was born, Pearl told Michael to, and I quote, come and get your kid, he's getting on my nerves, end quote. Footage from Gabriel's time with his uncles showed him to be a happy, healthy, and enjoying his life just as a child should and Gabriel's great aunt Elizabeth Cranzer spoke so highly of Michael and David she stated that and I quote Michael and David were both very good to him he would always be clean and happy they loved being with him and raising him end quote However, in 2009, Gabriel was taken from Michael and David and placed with his grandparents. Now this was due to his grandfather's objection to David and Michael's same sex relationship. Now, despite this very obvious homophobia, Gabriel's grandparents loved him and cared for him and raised him as their own. And most importantly, he was happy and healthy. This happiness, however, was sadly short-lived because in October 2012, Pearl and her boyfriend Izaro managed to regain custody for Gabriel. Now, it's alleged that Azaro actually turned up to the grandparents' house and kidnapped Gabriel. Azaro claimed that he was just going to take Gabriel to a barbecue, but they soon found out he had lied. The grandparents pleaded for them to give Gabriel back, but he remained with Pearl and Azaro. And again, you're probably thinking, why, after all this time, does Pearl want her son back? And I thought the same thing. Now, she claimed that she wanted to bond with her son, but it's been speculated that she wanted him back to gain welfare benefits. So despite the two previous allegations of neglect against her I mentioned earlier, custody was transferred back to Pearl. There was another complaint filed against her in 2007 that she wasn't feeding her daughter and threatened to break her jaw. Now Pearl's Very concerned extended family had informed CPS that she was neglectful to her other children, but they simply did not want to hear it. Now, it is completely beyond me why these very prominent red flags were completely ignored. Firstly, her other two children should have been removed from the house immediately, especially after three investigations of neglect. But to then remove Gabriel from his other family members, where he was cared for, and placing him back with his abusive mother, um, ugh, it just completely fills me with rage at the incompetence of the CPS at this time, and so much could have been prevented had they have done their job properly. After he was placed back with his mother and Azaro in 2012, Gabriel started at a new school. Now, very shortly after starting there, his teacher Jennifer Garcia expressed concerns about his well-being after Gabriel asked her, and I quote. Is it normal for mums to hit their kids? After speaking to Gabriel Moore, Garcia said that he then asked her if it was normal to be hit with a belt buckle and Is it normal for you to bleed? And chills go down my spine whenever I read those quotes and I cannot get the image of poor seven-year-old Gabriel asking those questions. It just, it completely breaks my heart and Garcia did report what Gabriel had said to the LA County abuse hotline and the case was transferred to a social worker named Stephanie Rodriguez. It was later found, however, that Rodriguez never adequately made the inquiries needed to determine the condition of Gabriel's home life. The LA County Department of Children and Family Services records showed that Rodriguez supposedly never received information that proved Pearl had a history of abusing or neglecting her other children. Now, although Rodriguez and other child protection agencies visited Gabriel's home multiple times, the social workers never found signs of abuse strong enough to warrant removing him from his home. And to make matters even worse, Rodriguez said that... At the time she was responsible for Gabriel, she was overseeing other children whose conditions she felt were more dangerous. However, prosecutors would later charge Rodriguez and three other social workers with child abuse and falsifying records in Gabriel's case. So the school year carried on and the abuse Gabriel endured worsened. He was now arriving at school with chunks of his hair missing, scabs covering his scalp, injured lips from being punched in the face and bruises covering his face after Pearl shot him with a BB gun. His siblings even testified that Gabriel was forced to eat cat litter and was kept locked in a cabinet in his mother's room. The children also claimed that Pearl and Nazaro punished Gabriel for exhibiting feminine qualities like playing with dolls and he was repeatedly referred to as gay. However, nothing was done because during investigations Gabriel retracted his statements as social workers failed to interview him without his mother present. On March 26, 2013, Gabriel's therapist filed a report stating that he had been forced to perform oral sex on a relative. But again, Gabriel was interviewed with Pearl Presents and he retracted his statement once again. A week before his death, Gabriel's school practically begged the sheriff's deputy to investigate but the officer stated that he was given the wrong address he said that when he was able to speak to pearl on the phone she claimed that gabriel had moved to texas with his grandmother now i do not know why this was not followed up why this was not checked because this is not true and the fact that the sheriff's deputy just accepted this as fact from someone who is a known child abuser again blows my mind and this is another thing that could have prevented Gabriel from being murdered. Had they done those checks, had they taken an extra few hours to check this information was correct, I guess we'll never know what would have happened. On the 22nd of May 2013, Pearl called 911 and reported that Gabriel was not breathing. Paramedics found him with broken ribs, a cracked skull and multiple BB pellets stuck in his body. One paramedic who attended the scene stated that Gabriel's case was the worst she had ever encountered in her career. The severe abuse was immediately obvious to first responders. Gabriel was then taken to hospital and declared brain dead. He then died on May 24, 2013, and his official autopsy declared his course of death to be blunt force trauma combined with malnutrition and neglect. Pearl and Nazaro were subsequently arrested for first degree murder with special circumstances of torture. They were initially arrested for child endangerment and attempted murder, but upon Gabriel's death, these charges were changed. It was after this, on May 29th, 2013, where officials finally launched an investigation into LA County's handling of abuse complaints involving Gabriel. This is where they found, as discussed before, that the DCFS left Gabriel in the care of his mother and Zaro despite six investigations into abuse allegations involving Pearl over the previous decade. In August of 2014, Gabriel's shocking abuse was described graphically in court. His older siblings even testified that Pearl and Azaro would laugh whilst beating Gabriel. Now his brother also stated that Pearl and her boyfriend threatened to beat him up if he told anyone about the abuse that Gabriel endured. On the day that Gabriel was murdered, Pearl had dragged him into a bedroom because he hadn't cleaned up his toys. And Azaro followed. The siblings said that they heard screaming from Gabriel as the couple punched and kicked him. And then they said, and I quote, that's when it all stopped. It just went quiet. And I really can't imagine how it must have felt for Gabriel's older siblings to have to sit there and listen him being murdered by their mother. I can't imagine the fear that must have been going through them in that time and for them to be brave enough to stand up and say these things and admit to what their mother had done must have taken a lot of strength. During the trial, prosecutor John Hatami told the jury that the reason Gabriel had endured so much abuse was because Azaro thought Gabriel was gay. Now, prosecutor Hatami stated, and I quote, this wasn't about drugs. This wasn't about mental health issues. Azaro did it because he didn't like him. He believed Gabriel was gay, and to him, that was a bad thing. He did it out of hatred of a little boy, end quote. He then described how Azaro, who stood at six feet and two inches tall and weighed 270 pounds, beat Gabriel to death, who stood at four feet one inch tall and weighed a mere 59 pounds. He also presented text messages between Azaro and Pearl that showed that the couple had transpired together to torture and kill Gabriel it wasn't until June 7th 2018 after years of trials and deliberations that Gabriel's murderers were finally brought to justice. Pearl Fernandez was sentenced to life in prison without parole and Azaro Aguirre to be executed. At her sentencing Pearl said and I quote Every day I wish that I'd made better choices. I'm sorry to my children and I want them to know that I love them. End quote. At the sentencing, the judge presiding, George Lamelli, looked them both in the eye and said, and I quote, You want to say that the conduct was animalistic, but that would be wrong because even animals know how to take care of their young, some to the extent that they would sacrifice their own lives in caring for them. He then continued to say, I can only wish that in the middle of the night, you wake up and you think of the injuries that you subjected on this poor young man, this poor seven year old, and I hope it tortures you. I now want to go over the trials of the CPS workers who subsequently failed Gabriel. On July 30th, 2013, the two social workers and two supervisors in the DCFS were fired. And it wasn't until April 7th, 2016, which is three years later, that the social workers, Stephanie Rodriguez, Patricia Clement, Kevin Baum and Gregory Merritt went to trial and were finally charged with child abuse. Now, the Los Angeles County prosecutors alleged that the DCFS employees minimised, and I quote, the significance of the physical, mental, and emotional injuries that Gabriel suffered and allowed a vulnerable boy to remain at home and continue to be abused. End quote. In 2018, a motion to dismiss child abuse and other charges against the social workers was denied. Lomelli, the judge residing, said the social workers had demonstrated an improper regard for human life and a lack of vigilance by neglecting to properly document Gabriel's abuse. However, as of January 8th 2020, which was just last year, the appeals court threw out the case against the social workers. The appellate opinion read that, and I quote, Although there may be consequences to social workers who fail to fulfil, the consequences do not include criminal liability for child abuse. End quote. Now, I can't help but think about all the times that Gabriel's death could have been prevented, and the way CPS dealt with this case is just absolutely appalling. Had Gabriel never been allowed to go back to Perla Nazaro, he could still be alive today. And had the multiple social workers investigated his case correctly, he could also still be alive today. But they didn't. And I personally believe that the CPS's incompetence was a huge factor in his death. And the fact that their charges were simply dropped, it disgusts me. Gabriel was let down by the very people that were meant to keep him safe. And if that doesn't terrify you, I do not know what will. And that is the end of the tragic case of Gabriel Fernandez. Now, I know there are a lot of aspects of this case that people are going to have varying opinions on. Maybe you think Pearl deserved the death penalty, or maybe you completely disagree. Maybe you think the social workers shouldn't have undergone a trial or maybe you think they weren't treated harshly enough. Whatever you think, I would absolutely love to hear your opinions on this case and the trial and how it was all handled. So if you would like to give your input, head over to my Instagram, The Crime Chick, and leave me a comment under my most recent post. Alternatively, you can head to my website, thecrimechick.co.uk, where you will now find a members area and a forum to discuss the case. Over there, you will also find links to articles, extra reading recommendations for this case, photos from the trial, and a transcript just in case you prefer to read it as well. I want to thank you all so much for listening. I really can't believe how many people are tuning in already. I'm so, so grateful. And if you enjoyed listening to this case today, make sure to join me next week for another truly horrendous crime case on The Crime Chick.